How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to seven fifty five is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with Eric O'Flaherty, my co-host, former Braves reliever. What's up out in Seattle, Eric? Not much, man. Just uh, doing the same thing I've been doing the last month and a half. Bright sunny day here in Atlanta, man. Another wasted perfect baseball day. Yeah, seventies yeah, and sunny. It's been beautiful here too. Oh man. 70s and sunny in a night in the upper 50s, low 60s. It's been beautiful. We got up to 90 this weekend. Wow. It never happens here in May. We we haven't even been up to 90 yet. <laughs> it was hot. I'm tired. How about that? So we have some stuff to talk about this week for the first time in a while. Uh, specifically here, it's Tuesday. We're doing this on Tuesday, and the Players Union is going to get the proposal today from the owners that the owners agreed to last night, which is pretty uh, interesting. There's a lot of good stuff in it, but there's also one big sticking point, obviously, which is the owners asking the players to accept a 50-50 split in revenues uh, in instead of the normal structure. Um, and the players so far, Tony Clark has told the, told the Athletic yesterday that that is a non-starter, basically, is what he said, because they think that they already worked out the agreement with the owners with the prorated salaries when when they worked out that agreement in March, and they think that that should stand, period. And the owners think it shouldn't because without fans in the stands, revenues are going to be sharply decreased. What's your take? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard I've heard a few people say that, you know, when, when revenues go – skyrocket you know it's not like they reach out to the players and cut them right. a, a little bonus check yeah, but it's very true. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing is you know ownership has nothing to lose here by haggling yeah everybody hates ownership by default right i mean majority of people are are just against ownership in, in most situations regardless you know like if tesla kicks back up Everyone's pissed at Elon Musk because he's a billionaire. So if you're a billionaire, you know, it's it's almost like a derogatory term in our country now. Um, so what do they have to lose by haggling? By doing you know, what? It, no, by haggling, it, yeah. By haggling, you know, yeah. if, if they haggle and they don't get it, then you just stick to the original agreement. But if you're willing to haggle, there's basically free money in there right now. And owners, ownership's willing to haggle and try to see if they can get more out of it. Um the players are the ones that are going to look bad because the players have jerseys and fans and all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it seems like it always gets spun this way where, where people, you know, the union didn't make the proposal to ownership and then ownership shuts it down and says, we don't want to play baseball. The, the ownership makes it to the players and, and they're the ones that's going to look bad. And it seems like it always goes this way, but you know, if, if you're willing to haggle and go back and forth over it, you know, they might get an extra, 
who knows? I mean, it's millions and millions of dollars on the line. I mean, I just feel like when when they're already the side that's that's disliked by a majority of fans and everything, they have nothing to lose by throwing it out there and seeing if they get more money out of it. Well, you're right because ultimately this is a, a staring contest. Yeah, a game a game of chicken between a game of chicken between billionaires and millionaires. Billionaires being the owners and the millionaires being the players. And you're right about, you know, the ownership is already uh, viewed as, yeah, as you know, these ultra rich guys that you know, uh, what what do they have to lose? Whereas if this thing falls apart, the players are the ones that people, most people are going to be are going to be talking shit about, saying, yeah, those greedy sons of yep. bitches. We're at home. Unemployment rate is pu- pushing towards 20%. People are dying. People can't go to work. Kids are out of school. We would just want to watch baseball. And but the, and they're going to look at it as they're going to simplify it. A lot of people are going to boil it down to the players wouldn't accept a few million dollars less to play yeah. the play a kid's game and give us some enjoyment. That's the way it's going to be spun in, in, in a lot of different places. And, you know, they've already accepted that on their side, you know, that, that people are going to think they're greedy billionaires regardless. So it's, you know, it's the players that are, that are looked at as these humans and stuff. And yeah, it's, you know, there's a lot of times it's a group owning it, you know, there's no stats for them. You can't see how well they're doing their job or anything like that. And I don't, you know, I'm not really mad at either side here. I I just think it's an ugly side of the game, but the players have so much more to lose, um, publicly i mean if you know if you're a player and you just and and i think the union's gonna stick to it it sounds like it but if they decide they don't care how they're viewed either um i mean it's bad for the sport but what else are people going to watch when baseball starts back up you know if if there's live games on tv people are going to watch yeah if you start playing in july first week in july which is what the proposal calls for spring training to start in june like we've been talking about um if you start in July, you're going to be the first sport back other than, you know, like auto racing and UFC. And that's a little bit different, but the first team sport back and there are going to be huge ratings because you yeah. have a captive audience and you have an audience frothing at the mouth for some live team sports. I mean, the fact that people will get up at five in the morning and watch South Korean baseball says <laughs> yeah. all you need to know about the, the hunger is real for live yeah. sports. Exactly. So you've, you know, you know, if they turn on their TV reluctantly because they're they're mad about this whole situation, or if they turn it on and they're fired up and can't wait to watch, people are watching. And I think that it's it's just a situation here. At least the way I'm looking at it is, you know, it's what does ownership have to lose by haggling a little more? Yeah. They have time. You yeah. know, there's there's nothing but time right now. Um, send the first proposal, and it's like you know, if, if you're buying a car and you you offer you know ten grand below the asking price and you know you'll pay sixty eight thousand. The car seventy, and they throw back sixty five. You're like, man, I just saved three grand. You know that it's just that's all that's going on. It's just it's like you said, it's a staring contest, and they're just going to see what more they can squeeze out of it. And with time on their side, I think it's just why not? And it's it's all about, you know, I think the hard part is that players won't speak up. Um, right. They won't. They won't come out because because they have you know because they have a reputation and and they're. That there's a human aspect to them doing their side of things and, and people could hate them for being greedy and stuff. And that stuff hurts when it gets said about you when you hear it. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that players won't come out and, and be really vocal because they're worried about hurting their career really can 
it can just it can hurt them the way things are spun, you know. That's a unif. They always have represented a unified front with their union, which is why they're one of the big reasons their union is so damn strong. You know, you don't yeah. have you have representatives speak, or you, mm-hmm. in this case, you have Tony Clark speak, and he's the only one that has so far. So I'm sure there are a lot of players cringing by out there, going, "Oh man, we just want to play." You know, and Tony's going, "This is not going to happen. We are not accepting this," and. I'm sure a lot of players probably don't maybe understand how he's painting it as a salary cap in effect, because that's what he's saying. And the, and a salary cap, those are the worst two words, you know, for the baseball union. The other sports have a salary cap and they have revenue sharing. Baseball does not, you know, or they don't, they don't have their uh, salaries dictated by revenue sharing. I should say where the other sports do. And baseball doesn't want to start that slippery slope as they view it. They want to do things the way they've been doing them. And the last time the owners tried to ram a salary cap down their throat, there was a strike a quarter century ago, 94, 95. Yeah. And even if, you know, I, I don't know, maybe if your ownership, you're, you're thinking this is the time to risk it, you know, cause half the season's already gone anyway and, mm-hmm. and, and just see what you can get. But I, you know, if they, if the players union views it as kind of the first step of a, of a salary cap, having that revenue split, you know, like a determined amount, then, mm-hmm. then maybe I see how it's spun, but I haven't really seen it yet, how that would really relate too much to a salary cap, but, yeah. I haven't um, you know, and the thing is, is like you said, you know, players want to play and I'd be the first one. I'd be like, shit, just pay me a million this year. I'll go out there. And I'm pretty sure. And that's what's unfortunate because guys won't speak up. But at the same time, if I was an active player and I said that, I'd really be hurting our union's cause. Yeah, yeah. You know, so no it be, and the thing, you know, like like I'm talking about haggling. I hate haggling. Um, you know, if I hate it. It's one of my least favorite things in the world. I made plenty of money playing baseball. Anytime there's I'm in any type of negotiations, I'm just like, whatever, just take the money, you know? And, and the thing is, is that there's always the other side that's willing to haggle and haggle and haggle and they get every penny and there's just free money out there. If you're willing to do it, I'm just not willing to. And I think, you know, a majority of players aren't willing to, but that's why they have the union and that's why they have Tony Clark uh, to go out there and do this for them. So you know, I think it's, it'd be important for people to understand that, you know, a majority of players would probably fall into my boat where they're like, yeah, I'll play for 40% or 20% of my salary. I just want to get out there and play. I'm tired of being at home. But that mindset in the long, you know, in the, in the long run would really hurt you know, all the negotiations and hurt the union as a whole. And that's, I think that's another part why guys shouldn't say anything because most of us would say dumb shit. Like I'm saying right now, where you just, yeah, I'll play for a million, you know, right, and once right. that's out there, um, you know, that that helps that would help ownership side a ton. Yeah. It's just such extenuating circumstances that I don't think that uh, you can overstate how bad both sides would look. Yeah. But like you said, ownership doesn't give a shit. You know, they they're, don't they're care. corporate giants, they're they're yeah. billionaire. Uh, you already hate them. Yeah, and and they don't care if fans don't like them. What are you gonna not buy their <laughs> no. products? Well, you can't players stick it to do them. care. Players don't want to be viewed as Primadonnas. No. I mean, they might say they don't care, but they do. You don't want to be viewed that way. So, uh, but anyway, um, MLB officials say that teams are going to lose about forty percent of their gross revenues from ticket sales, concessions, and parking by uh, not having fans at the games this year. So, and that's on top of you know half the games already. You're already lost half the revenues from half the games. So, players, on the other hand, you know they've. 
they're going to lose half their salaries. If they're going to play on with prorated salaries, so they're going to lose about half their salaries, and they're afraid they're going to lose a lot more than that if they do agree to this thing. Uh, there is a way that if things all worked out and they went and played through this whole postseason, that the expanded postseason, that the owners will get to that. That's part of this proposal. There's a way uh, that players could actually make a little more with this with this proposal that the, the way that the owners have. Uh, uh, with the revenue sharing, this 50-50 split. But there's also a way that that could blow up. I mean, if there's a COVID-19 outbreak again and they shut down the postseason and there's no revenues there to split, players are going to make a lot less than they would have if they would have made prorated half their salaries. So, Which I'm hearing there is, you know, just there's always a chance that we would have to shut down the country again. So it's sure. not like that's not a, a legit Absolutely. possibility. But, yeah, um, I mean, the whole thing's tough to tough to really – I understand people not being able to empathize with it, you know, considering what the rest of the country and the world's going through. But, uh, I mean, it's baseball's always a business. Yeah. Uh, so the, so the other stuff that some of the big stuff that's part of this proposal, they would get, uh, let's see the owners. They've out, they, they outlined the details of scheduling, the expanded playoff with two more wildcard teams, which is interesting. The reason they're doing that is because expanded revenues they're going to get from broadcast, or they'll get all the broadcast revenues by uh, increasing the playoff, the postseason, the number of games in the postseason, which they're going to lose because they're going to lose some broadcast revenues by, by not having half the season, obviously, but they'll gain by having an expanded postseason. Those are those are big those are big dollars they pay to broadcast postseason games. But the uh, the likely postponement of the All Star Game, which was scheduled for July 14th at Dodger Stadium, uh, and the Home Run Derby, obviously. Now, I don't know that could directly affect Atlanta, which has the right now is scheduled to host the All Star Game in 2021. Would they just move it back? You know, and, or just skip Dodger Stadium altogether? Like you know, Atlanta's no. getting skipped in the Final Four. I don't think I don't, so either. I, I think they'd think push so. it back. I think they'd probably just push the whole thing back and then Atlanta would do 2022. But I don't know that. I have not heard that either. I have not heard uh, no indications either way. Yeah, I can't see them skip telling a team you don't get the All-Star game. Especially not Dodger Stadium. You not know? Do- yeah, not They've Dodger Stadium. I mean, they, might, they might skip over Tampa, but they're not skipping over Dodger Stadium. You know, I don't know how it works, though, because cities have so much so much planning that goes into right. it to – to free up a stadium and what other events could be going on in the city. Uh, You know, it could just be a situation where it just won't work out for, for LA to do it in 2021 or something like that. But, you know, I can't see, I I mean, I assume they just push it back a year. Yeah. I mean, it's at their their stadium. It's the all-star break. I mean, and they have 700 acres of parking. Exactly. (laughs) Um, we would have a break, uh, spring training, you know, your mini spring training, probably three weeks would start in June. That would be at either the home stadiums or the spring training complexes. I think it would be up to the teams to determine that, although that's not hammered out yet. But they're going to have the option because there's some cities where you can't, just, you just can't play. You have spring training right now in a home uh, in those cities, but. So they would have theirs down at their spring training sites, but I know I think most teams would would like to have, uh, or a lot of teams would rather have their spring training at home, so the players could stay with their families, you know, and not be away again for three weeks and go down there and try to make all those arrangements that are necessary for that living arrangements and everything else. Yeah, it's less travel too, less just one less step in the whole. Yeah, moving guys around, exposure, mm-hmm. and all that, but it's. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just such a mess. A few places have reported that it would be the regular uh, two leagues, six divisions away. They are now. But teams will only play their opponents in their division and the other league's division, corresponding division. In other words, the Braves would only play teams in their division and in the AL East, which makes for a very tough schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Uh, but more teams are making the playoffs. Yes. Yes, you'd still make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the Braves would still make the playoffs if they play up to their capabilities, obviously. But you're talking about a lot of games against the Yankees. <laughs> Red Sox, Rays, yeah. Rays, um, and then obviously the Nats, the Mets, the Phillies. Um, on the other hand, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of games against the Marlins and the Orioles. So, who knows? Got to win those. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's what it probably come down to. You know, whoever did their work against those teams because the rest of them are so stacked. The Braves you know, have done gotta, pretty well in those cleaning up against yeah. the Marlins in recent years. Yeah, they could keep that going. And the owners agreed to expand the postseason from 10 teams to 14 teams, which would add an extra wildcard round, uh, obviously. I would assume those would be one single games. I have not seen that the details on that yet, rather than a best-of-three series. I wish it Love would be best-of-three. Be three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Especially act- in, you know, in such a wonky year like this that yeah. some team sneaks in and all they need is one yeah. good starter to knock out a legit team. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, active rosters are expected to go from 26 because they're going to be 26 this year, not 25. Remember that they, they that was already happening going to 26, but they would go to 30 under this proposal, and there would be basically a 20 man taxi squad because the, the major league roster would be f- instead of 40 would be 50 f- f- to draw from. So basically, you'd have all your top minor leaguers that are knocking at the door, all your fringe guys. All your you know guys that sign minor league deals like a Charlie Culberson, you know, who was fighting for a spot. Yeah. All these guys would obviously be on it, um, and uh, you know, which would be it'd be nice. It could because you're going to lose guys to injuries. You might lose a guy or two to COVID nineteen. So this would make sure that uh, I mean, I haven't seen yet, but obviously the idea is that you don't have to shut it down if one guy tests positive. You're able to move him out, quarantine him, send him home, all that, and uh, and that because you'd be testing every day. So ideally, I guess what they're thinking is, even if you're you know asymptomatic carrier, if you're testing every day and do the temperature check, they would hope that they would nip it in the bud in time, you know, before somebody would spread something. So you have to. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to do it. There's no certainties, obviously. So, but that's that's why you got to do it. So you might lose two or three guys, you know, but if you have fifty. You should still be yeah. you should still be able to get through this thing. That's an extra twenty from the thirty they're exactly. talking about. So you get through it, but man, that's ugly. That it's hard to even think about um, just a possibility of you know losing two or three guys. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you're trying to get into the playoffs, and all of a sudden five guys come down with it. It would I mean, be like would it be like rollerball. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to laugh about this because it's not funny. But man, no, it's just, you're just wheeling guys you know, out, man. Yeah, sometimes it's yeah. But the side of you know, you're not really laughing like the dudes right dying more than anything. You just you're losing guys because the, the whole risk. I, the whole idea of losing people to a disease, you know? Basically. Yeah, it's, it's insane. No, it is. It, that but that's why it looks so bad to be 
talking money, you yes. know, but like yes. I said, that's, that's such a huge benefit for the owners that everybody already hates them. <laughs> you know, they got billions of dollars. Like I said, they don't care if people go on Twitter and yeah. rip them. The guys yeah. at Liberty media, they don't give yeah. a shit if people go on and rip them. For, for- They'll get through this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get through it. Um, if teams are unable to play the regular season games, this is interesting in their home ballparks, because most of them ideally would be, but at, at least at the beginning of the season, they could choose to share a major league ballpark with another team or play their games at their own spring training complex. Cause you're obviously not going to need big stadiums. All you need to be able to do is wire it for broadcasting. So I don't know why they wouldn't just make that the plan. If, if you don't pl- until you're going to open it up to, to fans, why not just keep yeah. everything so close together like that well i can see where teams would still want to play at home because their their guys are at home with their families and all that their kids are going to school you know they're uh yeah you know they're still playing in their ball their, their nice ballparks and you know you got uh i could i mean i can see the appeal to of it and broadcasting and all that you don't have to you know send your broadcasters down to spring training to florida there's a lot of stuff that that and then it'd be a smoother transition where all of a sudden if they said okay the city's yeah. where it's okay to have fans have we can do everybody. it now and all of a sudden yeah you're there already so it's really easy to say okay we're selling tickets to tomorrow's game so yeah you're never getting you're never gonna be able to pack those spring training yeah. stadiums yeah you just they don't have the capacity when you do open them back up to fans right so you'd have to schlep all your stuff from spring training yeah. you know and be home where you can start selling tickets. yeah that would be really odd this whole thing's in, it's, in the it's tough. It, there's so many logistics, dude. What a logistical nightmare this is. I mean, it's already tough to do a schedule, you know, during the regular season, which they spend weeks and the weeks The whole year doing. on. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it takes a whole year to plan that thing for the next season. And now you got to do it knowing uh, – you don't even know for sure where, where teams are going to be playing their games. You, yeah, you know, you can do the schedule and who you're playing, but you don't know where that is, so – what does that entail playing, you know, the Braves playing in Boston one day and then the next day playing Tampa at their spring training site or playing, you know, the Marlins, you know, it's just, it's a very, are playing the Yankees in Tampa rather than playing the Yankees at Yankee Stadium? There's a better one. <laughs> There'll be plenty of planes available. Oh, yeah. That's, you know. But <laughs> yeah, plenty of the charters to, yeah. to rent. Yeah. Man, the airline industry right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. All of it. Airline industry, restaurant industry. There's just so many industries that are just getting drilled. Uh, that might never recover, you know, or take years at least. Yeah, it's going to take – It's uh, the only thing – I keep looking at the stock market. It's going up. I don't understand it. But that's another I, topic. Uh, yeah. I don't mind that part. Uh, yeah. MLB was, you know, we had talked about how you could do this and make it work and still play a hundred or more games by taking this thing right up through November. Why not? I didn't see any reason why you shouldn't. And then play your postseason if you have to in December. Shoot. Uh, if you're playing in neutral parks, warm weather and dome stadiums, you could do that. Well, the MLB was strongly considering taking the season up through Thanksgiving. Bob Nightingale had this and playing a regular season games for most of October, but we had talked about that fear of a second wave of COVID-19 in the fall. Well, the feeling is that it would be 
better, easier to finish the uh, safer bet to finish the season no later than early November rather than take it all the way up to Thanksgiving in case there is a second outbreak. Because the last thing you'd want to do is shut this thing down as you're starting this postseason because that would be really imp- impossible to finish. No, that'd be a wrap. Yeah. That you just have to basically have no champ this year and, and plan for the next spring training. But if you're shutting it down in November, you don't even know if you're going to be ready for the next spring training. Exactly. I, I guess, you know, the good not this isn't good, but the the one thing they'll know is how effective a short spring training is and, and how it works to get guys ready this quick. You know, if they do this thing where they start early June or mid June and guys are ready July fourth and it's you know, and it goes pretty smoothly, um, then you you know, you could put that in your plans that any time that you need to have it again or, or a shorter spring training or now you know how long it takes guys, you know, it's it's gonna be their first chance to gauge mm-hmm. how effective it is or if it's even possible to get teams ready in two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's like uh, they're guinea pigs in that regard. Yep. Um, man, we were talking about how bad that will look if they if this thing falls apart strictly over money. On the it other will. hand, think how good these guys are going to look if they can if cooler heads can prevail and they could get Tony Clark and MLB's head, you know, their representatives in these negotiations and they can come to an agreement and go, "Look, guys, we have a chance to really look favorable in the view of a lot of people who think we're kind of, uh, you know, money grubbing selfish people to begin with. If you could, if you could work this out and start giving people games at night, you know, and each side make concessions, God, they would look better than they have in a long time. Yeah. But it's just, like I said, it's so important that it ownership doesn't care how they look. Yeah. That, I mean, that works in their favor so much. You know, I mean, it, it, it would look awesome. And and obviously people would love the players if they came out and said, hey, we'll play for however much. But yeah. that money's just gone. And and I get it that, you know, guys are making millions and it's, it's you know, you're not going to feel bad for guys that are taking a pay cut that are making that kind of money. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the fact that one side doesn't care how they look. So that's such a huge benefit to them in this whole thing. I, I, I referred to Tony Clark's uh, response. Here's what he told the athletic yesterday when that uh, thing came out about the 50, 50 split for s- determining salaries. He said a system that restricts player pay based on revenues is a salary cap period. This is not the first salary cap proposal our union has received. It probably won't be the last that the league is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they've failed to achieve in the past and to anonymously negotiate through the media for the last several days suggests they know exactly how this will be received. None of this is beneficial to the process of finding a way for us to safely get back on the field and resume the 2020 season, which continues to be our sole focus. So there you go. (laughs) He's right, but... Not a lot of wiggle room there in that stance, huh? <laughs> no, no, and it's that that's the whole thing is you know it's if if either the players concede or they don't, but ownership already has something agreed to. They reach out, they try to get more. If you don't give it to them, you look terrible. If you do, you know you gave them more. You, you lost mm-hmm. however much money they give up. But I don't understand how it could possibly you know lead to more money. I guess Jeff Basson broke it down. I have to look into that, but. I just, you know, it's it's just one more thing that they can kind of reach out and see if they get it. So I always said that with Ozzy Albee's contract when teams were mad or people were complaining and mad at the Braves for giving him that. It's like, well, what does it hurt to ask him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, 
Sure. You know, and and with time on their side, was it hurt to just say, hey, you know, it's going to be 50-50. Let's do that. And if you say no, then they're like, all right, well, shit, I guess we just, we'll just do the original deal we agreed to. Uh, another big part of this thing, designated hitters in both leagues. Uh, I don't like it. I hate it, but I understand. <laughs> and for this one year, as long as they don't, but I could definitely see where this would be a lot easier for them to to, to institute the, the DH after doing it for this half season. So um, as much as I bang my head against the wall, it's not probably not much use to do so in, at this point. But if it yeah, is, fine it's going it to happen. Year. It's going to happen. I'm fine with it this year. And – for the from the Braves' perspective, they're actually well equipped to handle it this year. Yeah, you know? well, it, it helped. It, I mean, you could put Camargo at third base and and have Riley mm-hmm. your DH. You know, I mean, it helps the Braves, but and it, I mean, obviously, it helps all lineups. But um, you know, it's it's a side of the game I don't I don't want to lose. And and I I always thought it was fun to watch Bruce Bochy manage up. his bullpen and and set all that up. But I think it's a small percent of the of baseball fans, you know, really avid baseball fans that appreciate that. And maybe it goes well and hey, more people love it. I saw a poll the other day and it had about 3000, uh, people had voted in it or, and it was right down the middle, but it was 50% or 49%, I think wanted a DH. And then it was, uh, the other, the other 50% was split between people that wanted it only for, uh, uh, this this setup this year, and then the other people wanted it nothing to do with it in the National League period. So so it's right <laughs> down the middle. The way it is, yeah. There's there's a lot more people that are just not as vocal as those that, that right, come yeah. out and dismiss. Hit, oh great, pitchers hitting. Yeah, I really miss that. You know that group is so loud and, and obnoxious that you know the other people are just like, man, I kind of like the I kind of like pitchers hitting, so I'll just shut up and you know enjoy it, but. Um. The, hey, you know what I was thinking today? Another thing that could potentially help the uh, the Braves. Um, oh, and and also Duvall. Don't forget him as a potential. Uh, yeah. DH. He's another guy though. He's one of the guys. I, Kenny wrote a really good story. Ken Rosenthal wrote a really good story this week about like the the dozen or so guys that have pre existing conditions. Some of them are known publicly, like guys that are diabetic. Others that yeah. don't don't want that out there, what they have, little things here and there. But Duvall's a diabetic man, and they're you know they're they he's looked it up and he's been assured that as long as you stay on top of it, that you should not be more predisposed to having uh, uh, worse uh, outcome from if you contract COVID nineteen. But there are guys with pre existing conditions. The, the the dude for the Rockies had his spleen removed. When he was in the minors, how about this? The guy was in Double A. I forget his name. The guy he was with the Rockies. He's really good now too. But he was in Double A. Had a uh, had a collision at, at the plate or at the second base or something, and and did and lacerated his spleen. Right? They said you can either let it heal and miss the rest of the season, or you can have a have your spleen removed and be back in six weeks. The dude had his spleen removed <laughs> so he could Take play in six weeks. How about that? That's awesome. Well, I don't know if it's oh. awesome. I don't know how it affects you long term. Um, I had an enlarged spleen when I was in high school, and I remember them telling me, you know, it, really? it doesn't do something incredibly important, I guess, but mm-hmm. it seems like it's got to be there for something. Well, uh, and, and like in cases like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they, man, I, those type of things, man. Any, you know, it's it's like when there was a bear in my backyard a week and a half ago. You can hear all the odds and and that you're going to supposed to be okay, but until it's you in the driving, you know, in the, in the driver's seat making these decisions about your health and and what's supposed to go on with you, um, that, who knows, man? I mean, it's scary. It's scary anytime. Uh, your health's in question. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody could blame any athlete that said, I don't want to play this year, but you know, it'd be, it'd be a really tough position to be in. You know, if you think about it, anybody can think about it, you know, maybe it's your first year making 4 million, $5 million or any chance to really have money that's going to last you for your career. And this is the year that you got to go out there and risk, you know, contracting a disease that in your specific situation could be life threatening. Mm -hmm. And you got to make that decision. That's a tough one to make. David Dahl, that's the guy. It was an David outfield. David Dahl, yeah. He's a good player. It was an outfield collision. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. And how about this tough son of a bitch? He's already said, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. And he could be – and he is susceptible. He could be have problems if he if anything were to happen. But he's playing. And, and all the other guys that, that Kenny contacted, the diabetics, and they all said they're playing. So there's some, there's some tough son of a bitches out there, dude. Uh Guys want to play ball. This guy obviously wanted to play ball if he's willing to have his spleen removed yeah. so that he could bit back in six weeks and continue his climb to the majors. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'd geez. bet on him taking the field. Wow. Uh, yeah, but the other thing I was, I was I was about to mention was the NL East thing. Playing the AL East, you know who will have a good uh, idea on a lot of catch a lot of uh, uh, hitters in the American League East. Travis Darno after playing last year for the uh, Rays. Yeah. Good catcher to have. Give you some scouting reports on those American League East teams. Yeah, and I mean it's it's going to be that'll be kind of one of the toss-up parts of the whole thing is playing completely different teams you're unfamiliar with, you know, that you haven't been playing too much. And it's tough to be, you know, if you have the Red Sox and Yankees to to look at after, you know, you you didn't even think you're going to see them maybe once this year, but the whole thing, man, it's going to be crazy. That's why I think it's so cool that are important that they added an extra couple playoff spots, but I would almost up it and add 16 or 18 and just, just try to get everybody in and, and let it all sort itself out there when the games matter. Because, you know, if, if what if a team has an outbreak and loses seven guys mm-hmm. and then you don't make the playoffs and you have one of the best teams, you know, the whole thing's just, it's crazy, but yeah, I, I I'm real interested to see how it plays out. If it, if it does. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. 
this thing is going to be a disaster for both sides if they if they cancel yeah. it altogether. If they, they I mean, won't, both sides are going to be hurt badly. It's too big an opportunity. But listen to the rundown on things that how they could be affected for the players. Jeff Jeff went through this. Passon went through this. The players do would not get paid beyond that lump sum they've already agreed to. They've already got some of that. The hundred and seventy million dollars uh, for everybody. That would be the only money they get. The they would lose a year, obviously, of playing, and for, for some guys in various situations, whether it's thirty six year old Cole Hamels or Marcelo Zuna on a one year deal, looking to go back into free agency and coming off a pretty m- a modest year last year with St. Louis. There's a lot of guys with a lot riding on this uh, prospects that are right on the cusp of coming up. You know, guys like Pache and Ian Anderson and. Uh, and then not to mention all the guys, the minor leaguers just below that who aren't going to play a year at all. I mean, we don't even know yeah. if they're going to be working out or what they're going to do. All the guys in the draft, that's already done. I mean, there are, we, we've talked about that a little bit already. The thousand, There's over a 1,000 guys that would have been drafted that are now not going to get drafted with that agreement to go only five rounds. A 1,000 guys. Yeah, it's. I don't know how it works as far as can they just sign as minor league free agents. Twenty thousand dollars is the maximum. So yeah, so they just if they want to play, they'll have to yeah. sign for peanuts, or they can wait next year. And yeah. I mean, that's a that would have been miserable. That would have been a really tough spot to be in coming out of high school for me, because I wanted to play. Sure, but, you know, it's, you'd be looking at that signing bonus. You don't get paid in the minors, so that signing bonus mm-hmm. that's what gets you through until you get to the majors. Um, and then, you know, you would have had to go to college or do something different, but it, that now the colleges are going to be flooded too, if they can even oh, yeah. play baseball. And so Jukos. it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder and harder to get any kind of baseball, you know, slot. Yeah. Cause so many juniors are going to be coming back for their senior year. So a yep. lot of freshmen that thought they'd be stepping into the lineup or the rotation or the bullpen, uh, Juco's there's going to be a lot of good Juco teams, man. Juco ball is going to be fire. It's going to be fire. Cause you can go play for a year and then be re- go yeah. back into the draft. Yeah. That's where everybody will have to go. I wonder if they're going to make an exception, work out some with NCAA where guys that go to four year schools could come out after their, uh, I freshman year. Cause it's such a weird situation. You know, once in a lifetime, well, we've never seen it before. I don't know. But man. you know, it's almost Otherwise, like you know, you're getting your best senior back now. What you don't need to take yeah. a kid on a, a one year. You, you're trying to plan out multiple years. I think it'll JUCO will be the route majority of guys go. I did too. I did too. But it's even going to get. I mean, now you got a double stack draft next year. Oh yeah. Some guys that would have been drafted late this year will never have a shot to get drafted. Mm-hmm. Because it'd just be too much talent next year. And don't forget. N- 40 less teams, 40 fewer teams if they go through with this plan. So, so I mean, are they going to reduce the draft as a whole, or, are you, or is it just going to hurt the guys that are already in, in pro ball that they're just going to be getting basically released a lot faster? I would think they were going to reduce it anyway. You know, not obviously yeah. not anything like this, but you got to reduce it by five or 10 rounds. It's what we were talking about, though. This is one of those changes that. There's a little trial run this year where there's right. only five rounds, and then they come back yeah. and say, "Well, now we only want to do ten or fifteen. Yeah, yeah instead total, of total ever instead of thirty-five or thirty, whatever. And that's what the union, I think, is the most cautious of is just kind of giving any ground and then and then saying, "Well, this is how we're doing it now." You know, even DH or anything like that. But it's man, it's this is complicated and crazy. Yeah, uh, the free agent market 
after the 2020 season, <laughs> it's obviously going to be destroyed. I mean, it's going to yeah. be a mess. The uh, agents, they're going to lose a lot of commissions. Yeah. And ones that are on the fringe, because not all agents are Scott Boris. There's a lot of agents that aren't, you know, making tons of money. So I had a few. Yeah. If they only have a few clients, you know, this is a big deal. Some oh. agents have one big leaguer. Yeah, yep. you know, if he gets to arbitration, it's the first time they've ever run, they've bought they've bought cleats for eighty five minor leaguers for ten years, and they've got one guy that that they got a chance to cash out on. You know, there's a lot of agents doing that grind that just don't hit the right guys. For owners, the, the, the what we've talked about that, that this the revenues are going to be almost non-existent. You know, without any games, if you play no games. You know, your broad, all, all the broadcasting, all the concessions, all the parking, all the tickets, everything is just gone. So, and for a lot of these teams that are leveraged out and got a lot of debt, hey, the Braves got a lot of debt, man. Do you that think battery? that this could be something that wound up? Because sports franchise values have just gone up year, year, yep. every single year. Do you think this is something that could finally level that out? I think it could. I think it could. There's not going to be any teams that go bankrupt. Some people have thought, you know, a couple of teams might go bankrupt if they don't. No. That's not going to happen. But I think it could definitely bring down a value, at least at least temporarily. Um, you know, maybe level it off. If and, and people are, maybe it's a lot less likely to explode the value in the future when they look back at this year and go, look what happens if that if we have another uh, pandemic. You know, what, that could easily yeah. happen again. So it's, well, it's about the only thing. It's about the only thing you've seen that could mm-hmm. stop it. Right. You know runaway train otherwise if sports don't happen it's been like the most bulletproof investment you could make if you had the money yeah uh there could be mass firings i mean you know a lot of organizations have 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 committed only through up through may to pay their employees but after that there could be a whole lot of firings and guys getting furloughed because you're not gonna pay especially if there's no fans yeah you don't need people selling popcorn well, yeah, and beyond beyond game day people, but I mean people in the staff. I mean, you're not going to yeah. pay everybody in baseball ops, especially with the expanded departments that you have these days, and all your ticket rev, you know, ticket sellers and all those. There's a lot of people there. Advertising, you know, corporate advertising, all that. I don't know, man. There's a whole there's there's going to be a lot of nervous people. Yeah. Uh, there could be, they might, it might, there might be, some, have to be some bailouts from MLB, uh, or, you know, some owners that are kind of on the fringe that, uh, that aren't, you know, in a good, in a good financial situation right now, because they have, they have like limits to how much debt they can have and how much, uh, you know, percentage they have to have, uh, uh, cash available, that kind of stuff. So some of these owners, there's a few teams that I, I I'm sure would probably be pushing it with that. Franchise yeah, values I mean, skyrocket in recent years; they could plummet. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like like we just you know talking. I don't see it happening where owning a, a team all of a sudden is a liability. But right, it just depends on how long this thing goes. And then you think, well, what if another similar virus that we don't have any kind of testing or vaccine for comes out? You know, those are at least you know now now the threat is is been made real, and you can see how vulnerable you are to it, but people are still going to want to own baseball teams. And I think all those reasons right there are reasons that, that, that these people are not going to let this thing fall apart over you can't. principle, you know, 
I mean, you, you can't. It's just such a huge price to pay to not give an inch. I mean, you think Tony Clark is, has been raked over the coals for, you know, the last collective bargaining agreement and some other things that have happened. You imagine what's going to happen if, if they don't play this year because of he refused to give an inch at all. There's going to be some upset players because the rank and file are really going to get hit by this. Yeah. And it, you know, if you're, if your ownership, maybe you know you're already cool with the deal that's already in place. But why not ask while you have the time? And, you know, Tony gets destroyed for it if he doesn't budge. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, it's it's important to, to play this season just to show that there's, if there was another virus in a year or two, you know, just for the value of the game and everything that, you know, there's ways around it and there's ways to get it off. But yeah, I mean, I think ownership has a lot riding on this going well and, yeah. and looking good. And, and, you know, as far as, you know, the ownership of your franchise and that investment and the worth of it, you got to be able to prove that, you know, this thing isn't something that could destroy it and, and sink a franchise or a league. Yeah. I mean, owners are looking to you know, reduce costs wherever they can. Yeah. And where's player salaries are the highest thing. Those are the highest costs. So. Like you said, if they can if they can save ten million, fifty million, they're gonna do it. A hundred million. This would, this would be a time that it would be beneficial for the books to be out there, unless it's not, you know, to to be yeah. able to reveal that and say, look how much right. we are losing. You know, this this is costing us however many billion this year. But I think, you know, if you reveal that and it's not as not as bad as it looks, then you know, why would you do it? Yeah, but, it's tough to believe them when they won't reveal yeah. it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that might be the, the move to make if you really want to prove it, but you know, them not caring how they look, they don't have to do that. Yeah, TV money is estimated at one point seven billion dollars a year. So by having expanded playoffs, you'd be able to maintain that amount where you know you're going to lose half of the Sunday night baseball games already and the all-star game and a home run derby. So that's a lot of TV revenue right there. Yeah. So that's the reason behind this expanded playoff thing more than anything. It's just the revenues you would get from showing. Well, you could negotiate new, you know, yeah. the, I'm sure the contract has only the, the standard format of playoffs. So you negotiate kind of new, new terms for those extra games. The guaranteed minimum right now of playoff games, the way the current setup is, is 26, and the maximum is 43. With that new, with the uh, added with 14 team playoffs, you'd have uh, a minimum of 36 games and a maximum of 59. Wow. Yeah. So that's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of more cash. And they found, you know, they found creative ways to advertise too. And and I don't even know if, you know, I'm not a fan of it, but if they decided to put advertising on the uniforms or something like that, that'd be some big money. And they were doing that thing where they were green screening the grass in center field in St. Louis and putting cheese balls all over it last year. You know, there's ways to get creative and bring in more revenue. They do it in the grass. Cause I remember there was a ballpark that did it on the fence. Somebody did it in the grass. St. Louis did it on the, you didn't oh, see that. No, the that's whole, terrible. the whole grass. Every time there was a fly ball to center field was a giant oots cheese ball. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see it on the grass. I saw it on yes. the, on the batter's was, eye or the uh, fence. It was wow. brutal to look at, but That's I terrible. think, you know, you're, you're losing the fan. You're losing so much visually anyway. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a good time to experiment with different, 
different things like that. I mean, I'm sure you could find ways to, you're not going to get it all back, but there's, there's ways they could kind of bring in some more money, you know, with those TV, with everybody and the amount of people watching on TV, you got to figure advertisers be willing to pay more if their company's still rolling. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's enough on that. Uh, just before we wrap this up that I don't know if you saw the story I did today on, uh, we're doing this franchise. We call them franchise stories. And one of them is, which would you rather have? And we're doing all kinds of stuff, you know, everything from mascots to ballparks or whatever to mine. I did today was which starting pitcher would you have under 25 starting pitcher, which eliminated Shane Bieber from the uh, Indians. Cause he turns 25 like May 31st. Otherwise he would have been an opening day under 25 starter. So mm. with the guys that eliminates, uh, Including, you know, including Bueller from the Dodgers. It eliminates just about Marquez from the uh, Rockies. The two that you got, clearly to me, are the two best are Jack Flaherty and Mike Soroka. And Soroka's going to have two more years after this where he's an under 25 opening day starter, by the way. Two more years. The guy's 22. So are we taking that into consideration? Well, I did. I think you have to. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're talking about who would you rather have, I didn't specify who would you rather have for this season. I said, who would you rather have? So, um, you know, Flaherty, obviously last year, he was absolutely dominant in the second half. Incredible. He uh, He's two years, almost two years older than Soroka. And if you go back and look at his first full season and his age 21 season, was not as good as Soroka. No, he's Not gotten better every year. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better. The last two years, he took big strides. So I don't know. There's two. They're two really good pitchers, very different type pitchers, but both I, they could both be top five pitchers in the National League this year if they both continue to make strides. I mean, uh, I don't know. I t- I picked. I don't think you can go wrong either way, but I haven't seen Flaherty pitch, you know, a lot, maybe a handful yeah. of times. And I've seen Soroka pitch a lot under a lot of circumstances. I took Soroka only because I think he's so cool under pressure and, and inducing double play grounders when he has to and not getting at all, you know, being so good on the road. And then that, what, what really determined it for me was that performance against Wainwright in game three and first postseason game of his career. You know, he was pretty, he was a stud, but uh, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I mean, one guy's a little more, it's obviously more overpowering. Flaherty is a strikeout guy and has a big arm, throws mid, you know, 96. And the other guy's more, as Smoltz, he's called him Maddox 2.0. I think, I think Soroka's got a lot of Glavin and Maddox in him to me. Doesn't give well, in. And the thing is, is that's something you're not going to lose. <laughs> Time's exactly. gonna take the velocity away. It's not gonna get hurt, or it's a lot and, less likely to. Right, and you're not gonna you're not gonna lose that that mindset and that pitchability. You know, everybody's gonna lose their velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, just being two years younger or three years younger, how he's 21 and Flaherty's he's 22. He's 22. Yeah, yeah, two years. So being two years younger, you know, I mean, obviously those years matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the thing that I just love about Soroka is all about his his mentality. You could pick either guy's stuff and not go wrong with it. And I haven't watched Flaherty enough to to really weigh in on his mentality or or anything. You know, I, I think he's a gamer. He seems yeah. like a bulldog, and yeah. you know he pitched pretty well in the in the playoffs. So you know he can handle pressure too. But 
it just I can't it, after watching Soroka, man. I, I'm I'm such a big fan of of just the maturity he has. I mean, he went 13 and four as a 21 year old last year, and he never I never saw him in a single situation that I thought seemed like it was overwhelming. And then pitching in that playoff game the way he did, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't go wrong with either guy. But I got to pick the guy that that I've watched more and I believe in more. So I'd take Soroka too. Man, it's a they're two studs though. Um, and how about I? Every time I think about it, I'm just I, I'm blown away by the fact that that Harvard Westlake High School in L.A. had Giolito, <laughs> Flaherty, and Max Freed at the same time. <laughs> I mean, was that a recruiting one of those juiced well, yeah. up recruiting schools? Yeah. Max's school, yeah. the academy he went to, or whatever, uh, shut down baseball, so he had to choose a school for his senior year, and that's what oh, he, so chose. he chose. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Flaherty uh, had Tommy John his senior year. Tommy John or a shoulder, one of the two. So he was. So they didn't actually pitch in the same rotation oh. very much at all. But they would have. They had the number one lefty prospect in Freed and the number one righty prospect in uh, Giolito. I'm sorry, Flaherty didn't have the elbow injury. I'm sorry, Giolito did. Okay. Yeah, Flaherty was. Yeah, he was, and he was Flaherty was two years younger, so he wasn't. Those two guys were seniors, and I think Flaherty was a, a sophomore. So <laughs> there's but, such a drastic difference in in California, Texas, and Florida <laughs> between like where I'm coming from. I mean, we had me and Tim Linscomb in the whole state. These guys had three on one team. They're the number one lefty and number one righty prospects in the country in the same rotation. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, imagine a scout. You're going out to the gate. Well, who are you going to see Make today? Oh, it, it don't matter. I'm just going out there. Whoever's pitching. They're <laughs> <laughs> staying for the weekend. Yeah, that's insane. But so, yeah, it'll be. Uh, that's another reason why I hate to see a. <laughs> I hate to see a season cancel, man. You want to see guys like Soroka and Flaherty take that next step coming off the years they had, you know? Well, Cunha, too. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Cunha, man. You, know, you want to see it. There's so many guys. I, I think about Felix a lot, man. Like this yeah. could be something that this could cost him three more years on his career if 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 this quarantine's not doesn't treat him well and he comes out sloppy and doesn't make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not as sharp and can't get a job next year. And it was a short season, and you know he was looking really good. You know, guys like that, man. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that are going to be affected by it. But more than anything, man, you're just taking good baseball away. Yeah, he worked so hard to get himself in shape to make this team. Yeah. You just hope he's staying on top of it. Um, I saw some footage the other day of Acuna working out with Ozzy and and uh, Camargo. Oh yeah, obviously somewhere over here. I think probably down in Tampa where Camargo was, where he trained this winter. Uh, yeah, they were they were taking BP together in a in a cage somewhere. I saw Acuna's BP, and I miss that. I miss watching that swing. Oh yeah, man. His BPs are just. You don't you don't want to miss those when you go down. Really? Oh, watching him spray, spray home runs all over the place, and then if he decides it's going to pull a little bit, then he's sitting them up there way out. But yeah, <laughs> it's like you know the, the it's like the home run derby round that he had where he's hitting them all over the place. That's the only time I've watched him take BP, and it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. I mean, he he went. He's a, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone else hit a majority of their home runs to right center in the home run derby. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and he does that every day because it wasn't like he decided to do it then. By the way, uh, Flaherty and uh, Freed and Giolito have all been throwing together out in L.A. during this shutdown. 
And Giolito said that Flaherty has honed his changeup. You imagine mm. if the guy adds that to what he's already got. He throws one. He threw one before, but it wasn't great. But if he's if he's got that thing as a plus pitch, oof. yeah, hitters will let you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can you can play catch with guys, and they tell you this pitch is nasty, that pitch is nasty. You're on flat ground, or mm-hmm. they, with pitches, man, you never know till you get it in the game. Right, uh, it can feel good. You could be hitting spots with it, and the hitters just crap all over it. And you're like, right. well, I guess. Everyone comes into spring every year with this new pitch they've been working on. That's so awesome. And you're like, you don't know until a hitter gets in the box and you find out it sucks and you just spent six months on nothing. And a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the Braves pitchers have been throwing at uh, Truist Park, throwing live BPs and all that. So they're, they're getting it. They're ramping it up now, getting, you know, aiming towards that June spring training. Uh, They're throwing BPs out there uh, twice a week now, live. And uh, I know, I know Fulte's out there and Sean Newcomb and uh, there's three or four other guys, I think. But uh, I guess you got to figure if they're, um, there's going to be an opportunity to broadcast some of the spring training games too. If they're, if they're even played, I mean, they might just be, I don't even know what kind of games they're going to be if they're inner squad or, or real games against other teams. Yeah. I think that's to be determined too. I mean, I, I guess it would depend on how many teams are down there in Arizona and Florida, you know, to play. But I, I, I would, I would sure think that they want to broadcast some of those games. Cause again, even those would get huge ratings right now. Can you imagine? <laughs> everybody would, everybody yeah. would tune in. I'd be watching. No doubt. And those stadiums down there, they're already obviously are uh, most of them, most of the newer ones are all wired for yeah. broadcasting anyway. All right, well, we should uh, – there'll be some stuff to talk about Friday. I think they're going to have – they might even have – you know, the negotiations are going to start right away with uh, once the union gets the proposal from the owners today on Tuesday. So we're going to have a lot more to talk about, I guess, in the next week or so because they can't, they can't take forever to do this if they want to start – you know, if they're aiming for starting a spring training in June – I mean, they don't have to do it in a matter of days, but you know, they, in the next couple of weeks, so they got to get this thing ironed out. So start yeah, they got a few weeks. All right. Well, we'll talk again on Friday, and thanks for tuning in, everybody. And that is it. We're out. See you Friday. Friday.